The flow of time is always cruel. Its speed seems different for each person, but no one can change it. This is Legendary Adventures, a Legend of Zelda playthrough podcast. This week we're getting a horse and braving the ghost-filled forest temple. After completing the Fire Temple, we returned to the path that the developers strongly pushed us toward, returning to Kokiri Forest to awaken the Sage of Forest. On the way there, I decided to pay a visit to Lon Lon Ranch in the center of Hyrule Field to pay off the visit that I made to the ranch in the past timeline during the last episode. During Link's childhood, the ranch was run by Talon and his daughter Malin. Their employee Ingo seethed at Talon's laziness and believed that he should be in charge. Now, seven years later, Ingo's wish to run the ranch has been granted by Ganondorf. Talon has been run off the property and now spends his time sleeping in Kakariko Village and worrying about his daughter. That's because Malin stayed behind. She says she is still at the ranch specifically to protect the horses from Ingo. Ingo can be found at the corral. He offers to let Link ride a horse for 10 rupees. If players pay up, they are moved to the corral and are given one minute to ride a horse. There are multiple horses in the corral, but there is of course only one we really want, the Pona. The ability to ride a horse and acquire a Pona as Link's personal horse was added at the request of Shigeru Miyamoto. In a 1998 interview translated on Glitterberry's game translations, Eiji Onuma said, He had mentioned that it has to feel amazing riding a horse. In the same interview, Miyamoto said, In a game where you can ride a horse, there has to be horseback archery and horseback racing. Both are in the game and we get our first taste of those mechanics here. Players can call Epona with Epona's song, what else? They can mount the horse and ride around. There are fences inside the corral and Epona can jump over them automatically if players approach them straight on and with enough speed. In an Awada Asks interview, the developers explained these mechanics were also the idea of Miyamoto. Co-director Toro Osawa said, the reason the horse jumps automatically is Miyamoto-san said that a Zelda game doesn't need any difficult actions. Koizumi noted that despite that statement, a layer of challenge was added through a carrot system. Osawa explained, Miyamoto-san said that just riding a horse wouldn't be very fun game-wise. He wanted to put in some sort of action, so he added carrots. When you crack the whip, a carrot icon disappears and Epona goes faster. But if you use up all the carrots, you'll lose your ability to crack the whip for a while and can't jump over barriers. Using Z-targeting, players can speak to Ingo on horseback. It took a couple times for me, but eventually he challenges Link to a race. Players bet 50 rupees and race Ingo a single lap around the outside of the corral. Managing opponent's carrots and not using too many is the key to winning. After he loses, Ingo challenges Link to a second race, saying that if he wins this one, he can keep Epona. The race is largely the same as the first, but Ingo rides faster and more aggressively. Players need to manage their carrots well to cross the finish line ahead of him. I actually failed on my first try and had to do both races again. I don't recall having this much challenge with the race in Ocarina of Time 3D. To my memory, I've completed both races on the first try in that version, but it definitely proved more tricky for me playing this original Nintendo 64 version on Wii U. Ingo is upset by his loss. He had planned to give Epona to Ganondorf. He gives the horse to Link, but closes the gates to the ranch in a bid to keep the horse. This is the final skill check players need to overcome to take Epona. Players need to jump over the gate or the outer fence to escape. I jumped the gate and claimed Epona to keep. 
The horse can be summoned at any time on Hyrule Field with opponent's song. After claiming Link's horse, I headed to Kokiri Forest. Immediately upon entering the forest village, players will notice it's now infested with enemies. The piranha plant like Deku Babas and Deku Scrubs are scattered throughout the village. The Kokiri themselves are nowhere to be seen. We can find them inside their houses. They're too scared to go out with all the monsters around. The hiding Kokiri mentioned that Soraya has gone to the forest temple. Mido has also seemingly disappeared. Multiple Kokiri also wonder whatever became of Link, not recognizing him in his adult form. As Thomas Wolf said, you can't go home again. Heading into the Lost Woods, players will find Mido after passing through three correct doors. He's blocking the path forward. Mido tells Link that he promised Soraya he wouldn't let anyone pass through. This is our cue to play Soraya's song. The song confirms that we're a friend and we can now pass through to the sacred forest meadow. Once again, Link must navigate the narrow passageways of the meadow to reach the forest temple. But instead of finding Deku scrubs along the path, he finds large, threatening moblins. Most of the moblins walk back and forth inside the narrow passageways and will charge at Link if they see him with a powerful attack, which knocks him backwards. The moblins in Ocarina of Time are large and muscular with a bulldog-like face. This is a throwback both to the original Legend of Zelda and Zelda 2. In the manual for the original game, moblins were described as bulldog-like goblins. They didn't really look like these Ocarina of Time moblins, however. In Zelda 2, the Moblins also had a bulldog-like appearance and were more muscular in appearance. We could see that both in pictures from the manual, but also in the game. In A Link to the Past, they had a pig-like appearance. Here we're back to that bulldog appearance, but if memory serves me right, the pig-like appearance will win out as the most dominant appearance for the Moblins in the end. There are two types of Moblins in Ocarina of Time. Spear-wielding Moblins, which charge at Link, and then one single Moblin, which wields a club. The Spear Moblins can be defeated with a single hit from the Hookshot. The Club Moblin can be stunned with the Hookshot, but not defeated. It faces a single direction and hits the ground, creating shockwaves. Link must dodge these shockwaves to reach the Forest Temple. Once players reach the dungeon entrance, they are greeted by Sheik. They comment on the melancholy nature of time. A thing that doesn't change with time is the memory of our younger days. The mysterious masked person teaches Link a fast travel song, the Minuet of Forest. The hookshot is needed to reach the dungeon entrance. Link then heads in. The music of the Forest Temple is, in my opinion, the most melodic of all the dungeon themes we've encountered so far. There's a bed of rattling percussion and long sustained notes by a synth choir. A prominent string section forms the main melody line. Blog official music tracks noted that the other prominent sound is a sample of traditional Nyanga pan pipes from Mozambique. According to the blog, the pan pipe performers respond to the instrument with their own voices. This sample and the strings fade in and out as the track progresses. The forest temple spans four floors. It's a castle-like structure with two wings. It's not entirely symmetrical, but the two wings of the dungeon are very similar to each other. 
the majority of the dungeon takes place on the top two floors. The first basement level is a single hallway containing a key. The lowest level is the goal of the dungeon and contains the boss arena. The lowest level is accessed through an elevator in the center of the central room of the dungeon. Four Poes, or ghosts, steal four flames which power the elevator and then scatter across the dungeon. Link must scour the dungeon to find and defeat all four Poes in order to access the elevator. Each Poe is named for one of the sisters in the classic novel Little Women by Louisa May Alcott. In order to defeat the ghost, the players will need to find the bow. Personally, on my playthrough of the dungeon, I didn't take the most efficient way through. To find the bow, players will first have to navigate through the west wing of the dungeon to reach the north central room of the dungeon. To do so, players will need to round up three keys. I kept attempting to tackle this wing before finding all of the keys, which ultimately forced me to double back to find additional keys. Here are the key locations. I found one in the first room of the dungeon on top of a tree. Another is found in the north central room on the first floor. Players have to defeat two Stalfos in order to get it. In Ocarina of Time, the Stalfos are envisioned as skeletal warriors which wield a sword and shield. A fight like this really showcases how the Z-targeting mechanic ensures that Link is fighting only one enemy at a time. I find the best way to fight Stalfos is to get close to one, to lure it into dropping its defense to make an attack, then quickly getting in a hit of your own. Once both Stalfos are defeated, a chest with a key appears. I found the third key on the first basement level. Players venture between two courtyards to drain a well. The first courtyard is located on the west side of the dungeon. Players must climb a vine-covered wall and pass through a hallway to reach the east courtyard to find the switch. The well is another space that connects the two courtyards. It's essentially a long hallway leading from one well to another with a treasure chest located just before the exit. With all three keys, players can progress through the west wing to reach the north central room of the dungeon and get the bow. While in the West Wing, players must move two blocks in order to scale their way up to the second floor. Some helpful arrows are drawn on the floor to point players to the final resting place of each block. On the second floor, players will find two twisted hallways. Once the bow is obtained, players can shoot eye switches to untwist the hallways, which in turn changes the orientation of the rooms at the end of each hallway. The path players travel down changes based on the orientation of the room. The boss key is also found at the end of the first twisted hallway, but it can only be accessed when the room is untwisted. In an interview translated on Glitterberry's game translations, Eiji Onuma described the other members of the team struggling with these twisting hallways. He said, At the center of the forest temple lies the twisting pathway. When you go through it, you'll reach items you couldn't before. We wouldn't have been able to make something like this if the game hadn't been 3D. It's easy to think, wow, the path twists, but the designers actually had a lot of trouble with it. I think they spent about a week tormenting themselves over how to make it work. Because the designers were new to this, I drew them a picture to explain how the path should twist. In the end, I think they did their best and managed to pull it off pretty well. Let's talk about the mini-boss. It's a fight against three Stalfos. They're found in that central room we've been trying to reach and must be defeated in order to acquire the bow. The fight plays out in two stages. First, players fight a single Stalfos. This part of the fight is unusual because there's a large hole in the center of the room. It drops down to the room where we got the second small key. What makes this strange is that Link can fall down the hole, but the Stalfos walks right over it. I saw no official explanation for why this is, but I imagine it was done for technical reasons. Once the first Stalfos is defeated, a platform descends to fill the hole and two Stalfos appear on it. The next two need to be defeated quickly. In this fight, the first Stalfos to fall will come back from the dead if the second is not killed quickly. I have to admit having a fair amount of trouble with this mini-boss. 
I don't return to Ocarina of Time as much as some other games in the series, and I couldn't remember the trick to defeating the Stealthos at first. I actually died and had to try again after figuring out the trick to winning the fight. Once both Stealthos fall, a chest appears with the dungeon item, the Fairy Bow. Now it's time to defeat the Poes. The first two Poe sisters are found in rooms that flank either side of the mini-boss room. Both Joelle and Beth are hiding in paintings. Players must shoot three paintings along a staircase and then defeat the Poe in a fight. To reach the third Poe, players need to twist the east twisting hallway. To do so, players will have to unfreeze an eye switch. The intended way to do this is to shoot an arrow through a torch while standing on a rotating platform. That's how I did it, but I understand that Din's fire can be used as well. The twisted hallway leads to a checkerboard pattern room with a falling ceiling. Players need to navigate the room by standing in just the right spot to avoid being crushed. It's a trap that I don't believe would have worked in a 2D game, making this just another example of how the designers are using 3D to the fullest while making this game. To fight Amy the Poe, players must shoot a painting then quickly solve a push block puzzle. Players need to complete a picture of Amy within a time limit. If they fail to do so, the blocks will rotate and the timer will start over. I completed the picture on the second go-round. After defeating Amy, players can return to the central room of the dungeon. Meg the Poe is in the center of the room. She makes three copies of herself and circles around the player. Players can recognize the real one because it twirls as it circles around Link. Once all four are defeated, the elevator opens, allowing players to descend to the lowest level of the dungeon. This level contains one puzzle room and the boss room. In the puzzle room, players rotate the walls of the room to align its doors with a variety of rooms. The goal is to trigger a floor switch to open the entrance to the boss room. The boss of the dungeon is Phantom Ganon. This fight is iconic and one of the best known fights in the game. Ganon starts riding on a horse and moves in and out of paintings on the wall. There are two Phantom Ganons, one real and one fake. The fake one will turn around and ride away at the last second. The real one emerges from the painting and throws an electric attack at Link. Players need to shoot the real Phantom Ganon as it emerges from the painting. I honestly struggled with this fight. I had a hard time moving to target the real Ganon after being faked out. I don't remember having this much of a struggle when playing Ocarina of Time 3D, but again, I did have it here while playing this original Nintendo 64 version on Wii U. The fight becomes much simpler when it moves to the second phase. Phantom Ganon begins to float around the room and engages Link in a classic match of Dead Man's Volley. There are multiple volleys in this version. Once the energy hits Phantom Ganon, players can land hits with the sword. In past instances of Dead Man's Volley, players only had to return the energy ball once to land a hit. Once Phantom Ganon falls, Ganondorf speaks to Link, expressing disappointment in his copy, which he banishes to the gap between dimensions. Soraya then awakens as the Sage of Forest. She promises to always be Link's friend. After getting her medallion, Link returns to Kokiri Forest. Once there, a new Deku tree sprouts. It explains that Link is, twist? Really a Hylian and not Kokiri. This was foreshadowed, but I can actually recall being surprised by this when I first played this game. The Deku tree sprout further explains that Link's destiny is to save the land of Hyrule. 
Next week, we'll head to Zora's Domain to learn the state of these fishmen under the rule of Ganondorf and tackle the most infamous dungeon in the game, the Water Temple. If you like this episode, please consider subscribing and sharing this episode with another Zelda fan. If you've already subscribed, thank you. I really appreciate that so many people have liked what I'm doing enough to subscribe. I'm Paul Riley. I'll see you next week. Thank you.